Good morning. Welcome to OCC once again. It's great to see all of you. Last week we started this series called TikTok where we're focused in on uh, the issue of making the most of our time. And I want to take a moment just to pray one, one more time before we, uh, we head into the message. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, helping us get here today. Thank you for the, the ways that you parted some uh, waters for us this week, Lord. The ways that you helped us overcome some challenges and barriers to be able to be here. And uh, God, you're, you're at work in our lives. So thank you for that, God. Thank you for how you're working. God, I pray we would be people who would uh, be aware of your voice in our lives, Lord, through your word, through the circumstances we face. And as you just connect dots of what you're trying to do and how you're trying to, to speak and move us to a place of obedience. So we ask you for your help right now. Help us to be ready to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I've been in this series and kind of prepping for it, a a friend of mine told me about this app that he said I should check out. And it's called uh, Big Day. It's a countdown app called Big Day. Here's a photo of of the app. Basically, it's an app where you can track days... You know, track the days left until a major event in your life. And so, if you're excited about something, you could take a picture of it, put in the date when it is, and you could just count it down. So, like, uh, you know, if you were going to Paris, for example, you know, I'm not, but in 34 days, you know, if I was going to Paris, I, you know, I'd want to count that down. Every day I could pull it out and see it's 33, 32, and going down. If you're, if you're a concert goer, maybe you'd put in a concert and, you know, in 130 days I'm going to go see my favorite band or whatever, whatever it would be. You can put any date. You can put your graduation date. You can put your birthday. You can put your retirement. You can put tomorrow if you just want to be reminded about that. Uh, so something I'm tracking, I've got some things I'm excited to do this summer, so I'm tracking a couple things. But something I'm really uh, counting down towards is this. It's my 70th birthday. And so my 70th birthday. It's 11,000. It's actually 11,000. Let me check it because it changes every day. So I'm, it's 11,035. When I uploaded this photo, I had three days more in my life. And so, uh, but I'll turn 70 in 11,035 days if I live to be 70. Uh, it seems like, you know, a lot of time, doesn't it? But each day I wake up, man, that countdown continues. I've had this for like three weeks and I've noticed, wow, it's, it actually helps me realize how time is moving and, and, and how, Every day really counts. Now, Lord willing, I may make it to live to be 70. Lord willing. Maybe beyond that. And I want to make those days count. I'm sure you do as well. That's why we're doing this message series. To look at how, how do we make our lives count. The goal of this series is to respond rightly to the opportunities that come throughout our life. God tells time through opportunities, from opportunity to opportunity to opportunity. How, how do we respond to the opportunities that come? He doesn't tell time like we tell time. We often think of clock and calendar. God tells time from the opportunities. And last week we looked at the story of a woman named Sarah. She's married to a man named Abraham. And Sarah's challenge in life was that she constantly found herself in the waiting room. She was constantly waiting for God to fulfill His promises. And God had promised some things to her and her husband. She was waiting and waiting and waiting for God to keep that promise to fulfill those things. And 
We often find ourselves in the waiting room as well. For example, if you're a parent, you're, you're in the waiting room. You're parenting, you're working with your kids, you're coaching them, you're challenging them, you're trying to help them understand some things. You're trying to prepare them for that launching point where they head into the world as an adult and they're on their own. They're separated. They're, you know, maybe they're taking those independent steps. And, but you're in the waiting room for many, many years as a parent. You're, you're, you're seeing some things you want to work on. You're seeing some areas to focus in on. But you're constantly just spending time there waiting. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Moses' life. And we're going to look at Moses' life and see how he made the most of his days but it wasn't always the case for Moses. When we think of Moses, he's this iconic figure as far as Bible characters. He's, he's, he's a big dog, you know what I mean, in, in the Bible. Uh, when you read, you know, top ten, you know, lists of, you know, Bible characters, Moses is on those lists. However, Moses had feelings of uh, inadequacy. He felt underqualified. He felt overwhelmed with the task that was before him. And he fought those feelings many times. And so I think you'll appreciate his story. Uh, because it could be that in your life, you're facing just a Mount Everest stack. Mount Everest is much taller than this. But Mount Everest stack of responsibilities right now. And you, you could have a massive amount of work in your life, whether it's responsibilities, just things on your plate. But we get in those situations and we're way in over our head and we have a hard time seeing clearly. We can get bogged down with just the amount that we're asked to do in life or the, or the role that we're needing to play. Maybe you're a mom or a dad or a spouse and you're trying to get your mind around the role that's required for you to play right now. And in your head, you're thinking, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can pull this role off. I can't pull it together. People need me for these things. I can't, I can't do it. I can't pull it off. And that, that's some of what we're going to look at in the Scripture today related to Moses, is this issue of being stuck in our head. Like they're having a battle between the ears. And when we're in that moment, it's just very, very tough to shake it. I've got a great example of this. It's from baseball. So I'm going to show you a video here in a moment of a, of a pitcher who kept throwing wild pitches in a single inning. And he's just not able to pull the ball under control. And he's just stuck up in his head. And I don't know if you've ever pitched or played a sport where you get in your head and you're just like, you can't do the thing that you've done hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of times. You know, anybody should be able to do this. And this guy's a professional being paid millions of dollars and he's having a hard time. He's stuck in his head and he can't shake uh, uh, he can't shake this, these thoughts that are coming. And so look at, look at what happens, okay? Drew Jones in the dirt, back to the screen. And over the second base goes Greg Maddox on a wild pitch. It's a special. Another wild pitch over the head of Hernandez and back to the backstop. Shooting by Edgar Renteria. He hurt the Cardinals. Wow! the screen again and hits off the backstop and right back to Hernandez. So Maddox didn't go anywhere. During one inning. But Andrew Jones goes to second on the third wild pitch of the inning. Maddox at third. Andrew Jones at second. This will be the 27th pitch of the inning thrown by Antillo. And another wild one. And Maddox will score. It's ball four to Galarraga. He finally gets Maddox home. So he's really like he's on ice skates back there right now. Assessment from a, a long-time major league catcher, Buck Martinez. And there is the fifth wild pitch of the inning. Over to third, Galarraga. Over to second, Jordan. And now a base hit. 
could make this a four-run in. Wild pitch. And then Chipper Jones up. Wild pitch. Galarraga up with runners at second and third. And a save of a would-be wild pitch. And then on a walk to Galarraga, wild pitch. And now another wild pitch. We'll go into the wildest Hall of Fame, I think. <laughs> the wild Hall of Fame. He's just, he's just having a hard time. That would have been the longest inning for the pitcher and the catcher. The catcher was on his toes. I mean, he just, the catcher couldn't bear down on the ball. There's just, it's all over the place. Now, this guy's a professional making millions of dollars. You know, I played Little League Baseball for, I think, six or seven years, and I would pitch. And if ever our, I was in, you know, games where I just couldn't get out of the inning, but the coach had no, options but to leave me in because the, the bullpen would be exhausted and so I'm in there and I'm just trying to creep towards the fifth what is that the mercy rule that they give you after you walk you know five guys come in and so I'm just like oh gosh if they could pull me my parents are probably in the stands like uh he's not our son but you get up in your head in sports or just in life and you just get twisted up like I, I just can't do it I can't control this ball I cannot get can't get it done right now. I did. This is what Moses is facing in his life. And, and in real life it shows up, whether parenting or work or temptation. I just can't get it together. I can't stop, you know, I can't stop doing this. I can't stop being prone towards this. Or if it's our finest, I, you know, we get up in our head and we think we can't break through. And so I want to look at what Moses has to say, both in a psalm that's attributed to him, Psalm chapter 90, and then through his life, in, in Exodus. And so let's, let's look first at the psalm. God doesn't want us to lose track of our time on earth. That's our first kind of point here. He doesn't want us to lose track. Look at Psalm 90 verses 10 through 12. Moses writes this, The year of our life, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Hence the 70th birthday countdown for me. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. Life is filled with pain is what Moses life is filled with pain and difficulty they are soon gone he says and we fly away life goes fast verse 11 says who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you basically we have limitations in our understanding our life spins by we can't understand God we can't understand God's power fully we can't understand his wrath fully um, he is eternal we are you know we're, we we find ourselves very much with limitations, Moses says this, verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. First off, life is short. Seventy years is a full life. Some may, you know, some in the room may live to be seventy. Some may have the strength to live eighty or beyond. I, I found out that my grandparents, both have passed away, but my grandparents lived, my grandmother lived to be seventy-one, and my grandfather lived to be eighty-four. I don't know how long I'm going to live. As of 2014, the average American life expectancy for those living in the United States is 78. Okay, 78. Moses was like spot on with his, with his wisdom here. You know? And Moses' prayer is that we would number our days wisely. And he was someone who wrestled with confidence. He would get stuck up in his head and he had all sorts of objections when God gave him his major assignment. So let's look at Moses' life, okay? Now this advice is obviously after he had seen God come through in miraculous ways. So Psalm 90 is really looking back 
at what he'd experienced as he saw God come through. But let's look at the journey that Moses faced. This is in Exodus chapter 3. And in Exodus, it's the second book of the Bible, it's about 2 to 3 million Israelites found themselves enslaved in Egypt. Okay, 2 to 3 million Israelite slaves. Basically, at the end of Genesis, God moved His people, He provided for His people in Egypt as there was famine that struck the land. The Israelites heard that there was food in Egypt, so they journeyed to Egypt. God was working out His plan through a man named Joseph, but it brought the Israelites to Egypt. Well, over time they were given food, but then the ability to stay there. And so all of Israel, all the Israelites came and stayed there. And then they you know, had more families. There was multiplication, multiplication after many, many years. Two to three million. What was, a, what was a small group of families had multiplied to two to three million people living there. Men, women, and children. It was, it was said of the Israelites that they are just, they're, they're, their wives, they just produce a lot of offspring. And so the Egyptians were like, how can we slow this down? But the Egyptians recognized with all these Israelites there, this provided tremendous labor, just a huge labor force for the Egyptians. And so the whole Egyptian thriving economy was built upon these Hebrew slaves. And so this was, this was a huge part of the Egyptians' success, okay, was having the Israelites do a lot of the work for them. So Moses was a man, he was a Hebrew, he was raised in uh, Pharaoh's court. Uh, you can read about his life. There's movies about you know, Prince of Egypt, or there's another one, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, on, on Moses' life. But he's raised in Pharaoh's court, eventually has this kind of identity crisis, and begins to ask a lot of questions about his people and his God, and eventually he flees out of Egypt and heads to a place called Midian. And God finds him there in Midian and, and says to him, I have an assignment for you. Okay, this is this is a major assignment. God calls to Moses from within a burning bush. Somehow a bush is on fire and God is speaking to Moses through this bush and God gives him the major assignment. So here's here's the assignment to Moses from God. Basically, you will be my deliverer for my people. You will go into Egypt and you will demand from Pharaoh, from the king, that he let my people go. That's your job. Go in and say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. So that's the assignment. Okay, let's pick it up in chapter 3, verse 7, and you'll see kind of the interaction between Moses and God here. Verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. These are all different people groups that are currently occupying the promised land, the land that God said would be the Israelites. And God wants to lead His people out of Egypt into the promised land that He says is a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Basically, that suggests this is a land that would be prosperous agriculturally. Things, cattle would do well there, livestock, there would just be plenty there for them. It was, it was a good, good land. And here they are, slaves in another land. God's saying, I want you to rescue my people, deliver them out of slavery, and bring them to this, this land where they're going to have tremendous blessing and good. Verse 9 says this, 
And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. God's saying, I'm hearing the cries of my people and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Just as a father hears the cries of his children, if you're, if you're a dad and you are working in your yard and your, your son or your daughter uh, falls off a scooter or skins their knee and you hear this cry, you, you hear their cry and you respond. You go over and you see what's going on. You swoop them up. If there's blood, you bandage, you know, peroxide. Or maybe if you're dad, you're like, eh, it looks pretty good, you know. Get back out there, you know. It'll heal up. But you, you respond and you, you engage. What's happening here is God is saying, look, I hear the cries of my people. They're crying out to me. God is saying, I'm not a passive spectator. God's hand goes with His heart. And so His hand is extending to His people through this assignment to Moses. So verse 10. Uh, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You know, two to three million Israelites. That's your job, Moses. Go get them. Now, how would you feel? <laughs> I, feel per- I, I often feel underqualified in my job. I often feel underqualified as a father, as a husband. I, I feel like, how am I going to pull this off? How am I... How am I going to raise these kids? You know, and so I feel underqualified in those areas. Can you imagine the pressure that Moses must have felt to have this request? You know, he's probably thinking, God, you've got the wrong guy. There's a guy up the road. He's a strong guy. I'll tell him, you know, head up that way. You won't miss the bush. It's on fire. It'll be talking. <laughs> I know a guy. I think you got the wrong guy. That's Moses. Moses is... And this is us. We can easily waste time feeling underqualified in our assignments in life. We can easily just struggle with feelings of inadequacy. And there's a reason for that. We often just feel held back and limited in life. And many times, the reasons for us around the room may vary, but all sorts of concerns get lodged up in our head and we can't seem to shake them. And the question of, am I really qualified, is a nagging thought that shows up in my mind often. Especially when I can't guarantee or control the outcome. It's easy if I'm like, well, I know how this is going to work out. Okay, I'm the man for the job. But if it's, if it's a difficult assignment, if, it's a, you know, if I've really got to put my hope in the Lord, then all sorts of limitations get stuck up in my head. And one of the major issues that keeps getting stuck is our lack of ability. A lack of ability. Moses has this struggle with his ability. Look at Exodus 3, verse 11. So basically, his response starts uh, indicating he, he's got a question about, am I really able to do this? Look at verse 11. Here's Moses' response. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Of all the people you could use, there's got to be a better... <laughs> You've got to have a better person. There's probably somebody in the land right now that's a leader, that's risen up as a leader. You're, you're talking about me, the one who fled my people. I'm living out far from my people. Who am I? He didn't think he was going to be able to fulfill this assignment. We have our own version of this. Here's some of our ability statements, lack of ability statements. Things like this, like, I'm too flawed. I'm far too flawed for this assignment. I'm not able to do it. Or I'm too far gone. You know, I, I have my past failures. I've got these things I've done. I did, I'm too far gone to be useful at this point. Or I'm not wired that way. God, you need a different person. Do you know me? I'm not. I'm, 
I'm an extrovert. I'm not an introvert. I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. You need that kind of person. God, you need someone who's comfortable uh, talking to people, who's, who's friendly, who's, who's patient, who's a good listener. And we go on and on. I'm, not, I'm just not wired that way. I'm not, I'm not patient. Or I can't change. I'm stuck, I'm stuck in this rut. I can't change and break through. Or, or I've always failed. I've always failed to finish what I've started. I've never, I never seem to finish. So question for you is, what's the line you hear most often in your head? That kind of, that gnawing thought of, you're not capable of doing this. What is that line you hear in your head? Moses was like, God, who am I? You got the wrong guy. Who am I that I can do this? Look at verse 12. This is God's response to Moses. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He's saying, look, you see where we're standing? You're going to worship God with all of my people. You're going to worship me with all of my people here on this mountain. You have to trust me in the meantime. (laughs) You're going to come back to this place. Here's your assignment. Look, trust me. You're going to come back here and worship me on this mountain. And when you get to that point, you're going to look back and realize, God was with me. God was with me. Still, this wasn't enough for Moses. Moses still felt underqualified, not only because of his lack of ability, but also because of his lack of authority. This is another question that Moses had. I don't... Again, am I the authority figure? Am I the person that's got the power to pull this off? Look at Moses' response, verse 13. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Basically saying, under what authority am I going to do this stuff? Who, who, who's, they're, they're obviously going to say, who are you? <laughs> By what authority? You know, Pharaoh's going to say, and you are who again? I recognize you, or I've heard of you, but who, who are you? Like, We have our own version of this as well. Here's some of ours. Lack of authority. I, I can't help them. Or who am I? to do this or I don't have all the answers or the resources I don't, I don't have the power or the authority to really pull this off and here's God's response to Moses this is in verse 14 God said to Moses I am who I am and he said say this to the people of Israel I am has sent me to you God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, So he's basically saying, Go back into Egypt, gather the elders, the leaders, and say this, The God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, to the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen, Moses, they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God, this is your authority, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God and then it says but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand so God says I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it and after that he will 
let you go. You can pause there for a moment. God's saying, I know you're struggling with your, your fears, your worries, but God, God's saying, look, I, I'm going to go before you and I, I will accomplish this. With, with my mighty hand, God is saying, and He invisibly, supernaturally, God is moving. And this story plays out in that God sends ten mighty plagues Terrible plagues upon the people of Egypt because Pharaoh is stubbornly refusing to let God's people go. God is at work. God is saying, I- I'm the authority figure here. You go in my name, on my behalf, trust me, I'll do a mighty work. And in both cases, God responded to his fears and helped Moses move forward. And Moses could have wasted all sorts of time focusing on his lack of authority or his lack of ability, but God just kept moving him forward to play the specific role that he was asked to play. Moses' question is, I'm the wrong guy for the job. And God's saying, look, I need you to just play your part and trust me. Play your part. It's not the assignment I'm giving to this other guy or this other Lady, this is your assignment, Moses. No one else is going to be able to play this part. It's yours. And whenever we get stuck in our head with our responsibilities, major assignments, small assignments, the same God of Moses, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He wants to help us move forward. It's the same God. A couple final things here. We, we play our part best when we do these two things. Number one, we play our part best when we identify the barriers, the mental barriers they get lodged in our mind, encounter those with God's truth. We need to know God's truth so we can call God's truth into action when we get stuck up in our head thinking we can't do it. And When we're deciding whether to follow Christ or not, we have fears. I want to look at a few scenarios here. When a person is committing or deciding whether or not they want to commit their life to Jesus Christ and really follow Him as boss, there's a common question people have. And that's the question of, what will Jesus do with me or to me if I choose to live for Him? I know He's going to do something to me if I give my life to Him. The next thought that often kind of pops into our mind is, I'm not sure, but, but I know I don't want to be weird. I don't know what He's going to do, but I, God, I don't want to be weird if I follow You. And then there's this hurdle. And oftentimes, you know, I, I wonder if that's not the universal barrier that people must get past before they give themselves to Jesus Christ, before they follow Him. Because we tend to think that really committed religious people have some sort of a genetic defect to them. Like there's something wrong. And so, there's a barrier in our mind. Another barrier is the thought that giving myself to Christ, giving Him my life and following Him is going gonna, is gonna to be a rip-off. That's one of the thoughts. It's not going to be the life that I want to live. And the only way to really check this out is to give your life to Him, to really give your life to Him, to put your faith in Him. Not just a slice of your life, but to give Him your whole life. Not just a day of your week, but to say, God, my whole life is yours. I'm yours. I trust you. God, what He does is He draws us into a relationship with Himself. But we need to decide for ourselves without coercion to respond. We choose to follow Him. We also worry about being ripped off in the future. We want to know, you know, we want what God wants, but we really don't want to do what God wants. And so we're wrestling with these issues again up in our head. Or we know we need to stop a destructive habit. We're afraid of doing life God's way. We're afraid of what that would look like. Could I live without the old ways? And this is the time. Any of those ideas or those thoughts, those barriers, when those things come up, this is the time that we have to hold up the shield of faith. 
It's a part of the armor that God has provided to Christ followers, and we, we speak the truth in that moment. Look at Ephesians six sixteen. Paul writes this to the church. He says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Because many times, the thoughts that are coming at us that are trying to block us from making progress are not our own. Many times they're coming at us from the enemy who's trying to block the progress we might make in life. He's trying in life. He's trying to block us from playing the specific role that God wants us to play. And so we have to hold up the shield of faith in that moment and speak the truth. God says He'll be with me. Just like in Moses' case, God says, I will be with you. When you don't know what to do, don't worry. I will be with you. When you don't know what to say, just say, God has sent me to do this. Another barrier that comes up in our mind might be, I've blown it in such epic proportions that God could never use me. God could never forgive me. I know I've thought this many times. And we we can feel like our sin has pushed us to the point where God would never give us another chance. Like, this is the final straw. I've finally... I finally went too far. Look at Ephesians 1.7. Another one of God's truths that we can counter. If we're a Christ follower, look at what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Notice the phrase, the riches of His grace. Basically, there's a never-ending supply of God's grace to those who've responded to this offer of life. There's a never-ending supply of God's grace and mercy. And we have to remind ourselves, you know what? I blew it. I sinned. But there's a never-ending supply of grace for those that are in Christ. After working through the barriers, we, we also play our part as we commit to be used by Him as He sees fit. This is where we're at today. This is where we're at tomorrow. I, God, I just commit to be used by You today. In my home. At my job. Some of you are responsible for people. God, would you use me to bless the people that I'm responsible for? Would you use this place of employment and my platform at this place of employment to bless the people? God, as you see fit, this is the assignment you've asked me to play. Would you, would you allow me to, to do this well? But I can't. I, I don't know if I can do it. God, and again, the objections start coming up. Can you commit to be used by God? Look at Psalm 37.5. This is the command from the Lord to us. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. We, we have to take that step saying, God, I commit to do this. I commit to play this role. God comes along and He provides the help that we need. He will act. He will part the waters. He will move miraculously. He, he will... He's working behind the scenes with the people that we're coming alongside if we're parents. You know. If you commit your way to the Lord, it's understood that you give yourself to His purpose and use what you have to accomplish God's purposes. But you just decide, God, I'm all in. I commit this to you. I'm all in with you. And after all the excuses, that's what Moses did. Once Moses got them all out there and God had his responses, Moses said, okay, God, I'm in. I'll do this. God, use me as you see fit, Moses said. And here's what was said of Moses. At the end of his life, right before he dies, he passes off his baton of leadership to another man, and then Moses died. And look at what's written about him, Deuteronomy 34, 10-12. This is a great statement about the end of his life. It says this of Moses, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses. 
this guy who's shaking in his boots. <laughs> there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Because what happened was God did some amazing things and 2.3 or 2 to 3 million Israelites escaped the terror that they were living in and moved into the place where God wanted them. And it's because a person said, God, I trust you. I'm shaking, I'm nervous, but I trust you. I'll do this. If you'll do your part, I'll do my part. And that's the reality for all of us. The most fulfilling life you can have is tied to the role God has assigned you to play. So figure out, what is it you've asked me to play, God? The most fulfilling life you can have is tied to being right in the center of the role God has asked you to play. Whether in your family, whether among your friends, at work, here in church life, if you will go all in on playing your part, then people will see God's power at work in you and through you as you fulfill His purposes even to the next generation. As we wrap up, let's just consider for a moment what what it is that God wants us to do in response to His Word and just this challenge from Moses to us. A couple, a couple ideas here. And you may have something already that God is speaking more directly to you on. But here's two suggestions. One is, a next step would be counter my thoughts with God's truth. Learn some truths related to the mental barriers, the, the my, my lack of ability, my lack of authority. Learn some truths that are tied specifically to those. Learn some verses. Memorize those. And when the thought comes up, speak the truth in that situation. Speak the truth and then live out the truth. Do the truth. And then second, commit to be faithful to play the role, to play the part God has given me right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Like we said, time is ticking down. Opportunities are passing. If we wait... To, to play the part that God has asked us to, pay, to play, decades will fly by. I'm going to be 70 before I know it. If I live to be that long. You, you're going to hit points and you're going to say, where do the years go? And if you're busy, distracted, or trying to play someone else's role, or sidetracked, or shaking in fear, or stuck up in your head and not able to bring thoughts under control, then years and years will go by. Time will tick down and you'll miss it. God wants you to play a a very specific role here and now. And so let's ask Him to help us to fulfill that. Father, thank You for Your Word and Your truths and these stories that just center us back to a life, a real life. Moses is just a real man who's got real struggles. He's got a real assignment. But He has a real God that's empowering Him to do some amazing things. So God, that is true of all of us. We're real people relating to a real God who wants to use us here and now. At this point in history, there's opportunities that if we'll buy them up, You can do amazing, miraculous, powerful things through us, in and through us. God, I pray that would be the case for us here. Help us to not allow barriers, mental barriers and lies to limit the life You've asked us to live. Help us to play our part here and now. We need your help, so we ask you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.